you look at the life that my boss's 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 boss had. He was getting up <laughs> earlier than me. He was getting in his very nice car and he was sitting in traffic for an hour and a half to come in. He was at the office before me. He worked harder than me. And then he left after me, got in his car and sat in the car again another hour and a half on the way home. And I was like, wait a second. So if I win at this game, which I'm not, I'm, I'm not the best of my <laughs> class. I'm not the best of my age group or whatever at the, at the business. But I go, if I win everything for the the next 10, 15 years, best case scenario, my life will be worse than it is today. You have reached Escape the 9 to 5. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi there. I'm doing a boring day job and finding life sucks. Stuck in a 9 to 5 job and looking for something different? Escape the 9 to 5 is your guide to freedom. My name is Steve O'Ealy and my mission is to help you on your own career change journey. I talk to successful professionals who've either taken the leap themselves or have always done work differently. They share stories so that you can learn from their mistakes and benefit from their successes. Escape the 9 to 5 and join us on our journey to a more enjoyable life. You've gone to college, got a very respectable degree and job and you've reached a stage in your career where you need a change. But you've got a problem. If you've got this far in your career and you're not happy, chances are you haven't found your passion. Or maybe the only passions you have, you don't consider something you can turn into a job. I'm Steve O'Ealy, host and creator of Escape the 9 to 5. Almost everyone I went to high school with went to college, got very respectable jobs, but then every second person I talked to seemed unhappy at work. I got curious. What makes for a meaningful career and who are these people achieving it? How have these people managed to escape the 9 to 5 and find meaningful work? We've all heard the saying, Follow your passion. It's easy to say, but what does it even mean? Some people think this is the best advice in the world. Others say it's the worst advice you can give to somebody. But what if you don't think you have a passion you can convert into paid employment? Jason Skisik is a veteran of the United States Army. He went to college, got a finance degree, and landed himself a great corporate job. But sitting in a financial meeting, the only person in the room he identified with was the entrepreneur sitting across the table. He now hosts the Spear and Clover podcast, which is for renegade entrepreneurs who bet it all on their passion. They tell the story about people who saw the world as it could be and couldn't help but take action you'll learn why you need to look in the mirror and really understand yourself before you can figure out your own career, how being clear about what your future looks like will make it a lot easier to reach the top of your career mountain, and how to find your passion by trying different things and paying attention to the strokes, not the medium. I joined Jason sharing how he went from sitting in a corporate office to betting it all on his own passions 
fitness and entrepreneurship. So my whole life growing up, there's been two things going on. There was what I sort of thought about myself. And then now looking back, there's sort of who I really was. And growing up, who I thought of myself, my mom was, I have a mother who is incredible. Shout out to Julia Skistick. She's a doll. Uh, <laughs> I have a mother who is like so supportive. She's like, you're going to be great. And my grandfather, same thing, her dad, you're going to be great. You're going to be a quarterback, which was absurd. Uh, you're going to be a this, you're going to be a that, you're going to be a, a, a titan of industry. Like you're going to be great. That's sort of this whole thing that I always was so supported. And so in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go get a job at a bank or I'm going to go get a job at a company and I'm going to do really, really well. And I never really had any idea what that would mean. But in my mind growing up, and I remember especially during college and then when I was in the military, reading books about sales and reading books about whatever, uh, finance and things like that. I had a subscription to Forbes and like, like I thought that's what, <laughs> what, like that was what the path to greatness is because, you know, in America, obviously we're in different countries, but here in America, that's like for sure a part of the culture is like you're going to go to school you're going to then go to college you're going to get a, a advanced degree and then you're going to get promotions every year and become some ceo or whatever right that's the dream isn't it that's it sounds CEO. like the dream right <laughs> and so in my head the whole time i'm like this is what i'm gonna do this is what i'm gonna do and so i get back from deployments and get back from the army and i i, I enroll in school in finance and i think this is where i'm going to make my mark i'm going to go into the world of banking and i'm I'm going to get promoted and yada, yada, yada. And what was really happening this whole time, if when I look back now, is I was always only really able to pay attention to those things that I was super passionate about. And so yeah. I was going to school to become a business person and I was reading things about becoming a business person. But at the same time, I was really interested in snowboarding. I worked at the snowboard hill. I was really interested in cars. I worked at the car wash and the auto shop. I was interested in clothing. I worked at the mall. I was always surrounding myself with things that I was super passionate about, but I would just tell myself like, oh, that's just, you do what you love on the side. That's the thing you do on the side. Obviously later on in my career, I was interested in fitness and I started a CrossFit gym, right? But it was never, that was just a joke. That was just a side thing. The real thing is gonna be putting on the Brooks Brothers suit. I went spent a bunch of money at Brooks Brothers. I took out a card for them and I spent probably two grand or whatever and, and got a custom tailored suits and, and the jacket and all that stuff. But the whole time there was what I thought that I was doing and then what I was actually just doing automatically. And so like what I thought I was doing was getting ready to go be this investment banker and, and to make multi-million dollar deals and do all these things. And what I was really doing was like only could focus on my little CrossFit gym that was in a warehouse that was making no money and, and had 20 clients or whatever it was at the time. And so over the course of years now, you know, I'm 39 now, I look back on that and I go, oh, the whole time I was on autopilot doing the things I should have been doing, but I wasn't realizing it consciously. What sort of got you out of that path? What made you realize that you're not wanting to become a CEO? Well, fortunately, I wasn't very good. <laughs> I was okay. <laughs> you know, I, I typically do pretty well at the things that I put my effort towards, but it was not like school. I couldn't just get by and, and do really well. So I remember a few things. One, I remember being at a table. So I was in commercial banking. So it would always be, you know, me, my boss, my boss's boss, my boss's boss's boss, and then the entrepreneur. And I remember two things about those meetings. Number one was of all the people at the table, we would all be discussing whatever the pertinent deal was, whether they wanted to buy some equipment or take out some loan or create some new thing. And I could only ever see eye to eye with the entrepreneur. 
And everybody else was like, here are the reasons why you can't do this. And then the entrepreneur was like, yeah, but here's the reasons why I can. And I can only ever see eye to eye with the entrepreneur. So I definitely have a much more comfort level with risk than you should for somebody in that role. Right. And that was yep. number one. And then number two, it was just the writing was on the wall. If you look at the life that my boss's 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 boss had, he was getting up <laughs> earlier than me. He lived out in the suburbs. I lived in Chicago. He was getting up earlier than me. He was getting in his very nice car and he was sitting in traffic for an hour and a half to come in. He was at the office before me. He worked harder than me. And then he left after me, got in his car and sat in the car again, another hour and a half on the way home. And I was like, wait a second. So if I win at this game, which I'm not, I'm, I'm not the best of my class. I'm not the best of my age group or whatever at the business. But I go, if I win everything for the next 10, 15 years, Best case scenario, my <laughs> life will be worse than it is today. And so to me, oh, yeah, that a just- flash the, of cars. Oh, yeah, yeah the, the, I'd have a more expensive car. It was actually, ironically, that particular boss lived in the suburb that I had grown up in anyways. And so it was one of those things where it was like, I'm just gonna end up right back where I started with a monster mortgage and like just no time for myself, no enjoyment and having to try and eke out little bits of happiness through you know, I don't know, my family or hobbies or something. <laughs> and you can just sort of see how that, you know, your boss's boss's boss, they can have these midlife crises or even worse, they get so far down the line that they kind of have to justify themselves because they've yeah. taken this path where they know that they're unhappy, but then they have to justify their job and, and make everyone else feel bad about it. Yeah, it's funny though, because I wouldn't go as far as to say that it was a bad job. It was a great job. And for those, I remember when I was in school for finance, I was in an honors program. So it was like, everybody was very focused at doing what they were doing. And I remember a few of the kids had a subscription to the Wall Street Journal that would show up at their dorms and they would read it and they cared about what was happening in the markets and what deals were getting done and they cared about those things. And yeah. so when they went to work for 12 hours a day, they were, in a playground. They were actually doing this thing that they had been wanting to do. And so I don't want to say that it was the wrong place for everybody, yes. but it was not the right place for me. And so I, I can think of several people who love their life in the financial services industry or in, in any number of corporate gigs, but I knew for sure it wasn't for me. And it was pretty obvious because my attention was, like I said, I was, I was working on 10, 15, $20 million deals. And I was actually spending a lot of my time modeling my $9,000 a month business. You know, my <laughs> tiny little gym that was making no money and was just a hobby. That's where I was spending my time and my effort. And so, you know, in hindsight and now presently have become kind of like a farmer of my own attention span. And so the things that draw my attention are the things that I really pay attention to now because yeah. I, before I would try to silence that out. And now yeah. I find like, those are the things that give me energy. And by the way, those are the things that I'm going to do way better at than my yep. peers anyway. Jason is someone who loves fitness. He's the sort of guy who will go on long hikes with a pack on also known as ruck marching, just for fitness. You're probably thinking, well, it's all well and good having this hobby on the side, but how did Jason turn this side hustle into a full-time gig? Did he take the leap? Or is there a safer approach to escaping the nine to five? I have so much respect for somebody who can have 
a really cushy situation and then just hit the ejector seat and go and then i slept in my gym i have a buddy uh mike bledsoe shout out to mike he's like i slept in my gym for a year my partner slept in the gym we had nothing nah man i kept that job for a while <laughs> i ended up actually making kind of a, a lateral move into what i would call intrapreneurship and so one of my best friends owns another company they're a manufacturing company they do furniture and he invited me to come work for him entrepreneurially. So he gave me a sort of fitness sub brand underneath his business. And I was able to kind of work. It was kind of the best of both worlds. I was using the, the knowledge that I'd gained from business school and from being in a corporate structure and things like that. And I was trying to apply it to fitness, which was my passion. And so I did that for a couple of years in transition. And then after that two years, I pulled the cord and, and went full-time entrepreneur. But I will tell you that that was a much more comfortable. I had a salary. I was actually had people I was beholden to. I wasn't just out on an island. I romantically kind of wish that I was the guy that, <laughs> that just pulled the ejector button. But frankly, it was probably the smarter move. I, yeah, I don't absolutely. Think I, yeah, I mean, the business didn't take off, though. I will say this. The business probably 10x'd when I became a full-time entrepreneur. And so sure. the truth is, if I had put my back to the wall a little bit sooner, it's very possible that I would have done better quicker. So I become a full-time entrepreneur. I, re I bought out my two partners because there just wasn't enough room in that business to make it a career with three of us. So I bought them out, made an agreement, and then very quickly from that, felt it, right? I had no money coming in, very little money coming in and no prospects. So I invested in a program called Gym Launch, shout out to Alex and Layla Hormozzi, which was fantastic. I was very early on in that organization. You say Alex Hormozzi? Yeah. Yeah. He had just started when I became one of his clients. So I was maybe fifth or seventh or something person in the door there. I was literally and, like watching him on YouTube yesterday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Alex is the shit, man. He's a generational mind when it comes to the type of stuff that he Pretty does. Pretty cool he's, that you were sort of involved with him so early. Yeah, uh, great guy. And he's, like I said, he's the real deal. He, he thinks about business in a very unique and very powerful way. And he's very good at communicating kind of complex ideas to people that potentially wouldn't go up and pick up a book or, or whatever else he's sure he's like i said i think he's a generational talent when it comes to you know sales and marketing and structure he's legit man yeah so anyway uh i'm one of his very early clients and we crush it i make it a game every time i get on one of those calls i need to have improved right and and every time i love talking to to peers and other entrepreneurs and so every time i talk to them I, i'm holding them accountable i want to see wh what did you do better and, and here's what we did and here's how we solved that problem and so really really got involved in that community very very early on and we like i said we 10x it took me seven years to reach 200 members it took me six months to reach 300 members it was very quick and to me i figured out that there's a machine that we had built with their help where if i put you know something like five dollars in i would get like six hundred dollars out right and so i just figured i'm just going to stand here and put as much into that machine as i can oh and by the way we're getting phenomenal results for our clients which we always had but we didn't have that many clients and so now we're getting tons and tons of great results for our clients at the gym we're getting all these great reviews because people are getting so much more service than they ever could have gotten at our previous structure and so i fell in love with it and then at a certain point i think it was about a year and a half into that, this is about 2018 probably, they 
needed help coaching. And so they, they brought 30 of us on, I think it was 30, to become coaches for Gym Launch. And so I was one of those folks. And I just, just immediately fell in love with that. I've never been on the phone, even right now, right? I've never been on the phone with another entrepreneur and got off the call with less energy than when I got on. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. If, and, and I can prove that because I currently have been on a sabbatical from what I would call like real work since November. And I do spend almost every single day on a call with an entrepreneur, whether I'm recording it or whether I'm just catching up with somebody or helping somebody out with a problem. Like that's the thing that I love to do. So, you know, long story short, at a certain point, that organization wanted all of their coaches to be full time. And I just knew I'm not an employee, so I'm not going to go down that path. And so I ended up not doing that. And I accepted an offer to start another company that did a similar thing with somebody else that I met there, Joey Huber, shout out to Joey. And we built a, a business called FitBiz University. And that business is still going today. Did that for a couple of years with Joey and, and helped a couple hundred gym owners to grow their businesses. Great product. It was a ton of fun. And then at a certain point, I just realized I want to step away from the fitness business and start to focus on just entrepreneurs working with, with just kind of all entrepreneurs. Sure. Uh, and so that's what I do now. I do work with a few clients that I've chosen, but I've spent since November, I, I planned on this entire year, just building a podcast. Cause for me, that message gets scaled out even more and more, the, the more of it I can give away for free. And so the Spear and Clover podcast was born out of that. We're told all our lives to follow the rules, go down a safe path, and get a solid job. But Jason has followed his own rules. As a result, he has created his own luck and now has enough of a financial safety net to do what he wants to do, talking to and working with other entrepreneurs. He currently doesn't have a real job and guess what? He's happy and is still able to support a young family. I say, if you ever want to know what you really love to do, just like retire for six months, because you, <laughs> it's what you do. Like, what do you do every day? Well, yeah. I have a daughter, Lucy, who's almost one. I spend hours a day with her. I, I do jujitsu when I'm not sick with COVID. I do jujitsu every day, <laughs> five days a week. And I talk to entrepreneurs every day. And we cook and, and have nice dinners. My wife and I love yeah. love nutrition and food. So I spend my days doing the things that that I love to do that give me energy. And I'm very fortunate that one of those things in particular, working with entrepreneurs, is a source of value that I can get sure. uh, you know, money from. But I would do it anyway, man. I, I, I'm not kidding. I, it's like plugging into the, to electricity when I work with other entrepreneurs. So. Yeah. It's, it's funny because we've had very different paths. But um, what you described in terms of the things you do if you retired now, I still work as a veterinarian three days a week because I have to pay mm -hmm. the bills. Yeah. Some of us actually have to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not retired. I, I do have to work at some point, but I got a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, but um, we've got a baby daughter, six months old, and she's, you know, spent, <laughs> spent heaps of time with her as well. Yeah. And whenever I get the chance, I just love talking to people about their career journey. And where I get a lot of energy is talking to people about their careers, in particular people that are challenging the status quo and sort of questioning this nine to five gig if you were to look, you know, communicate with yourself back when you were working in finance from where you are now, what would be three tips that you would give to Jason back when he was sort of stuck in his corporate job? When I was younger, 
I don't think I was able to, and I think this is where like maybe like young artists are have a huge advantage is maybe they're able to do this, but I wasn't able to really look inside myself at what I actually wanted or who I really was. And so because of that, I think a lot of times, especially young men are looking outward at what they should want. And so yeah. I think if I were to tell advice to myself, I would probably advise myself to be still because so much of my young male life was spent in action, seeking outside authentication, approval, examples of what I should be, right? So it was like reading books, reading magazines, watching movies and, and, and TV shows and taking a little bit of this person and a little bit of that person and trying to figure out what my reflection should be when I probably could have just turned around and looked in the fucking mirror. <laughs> And that's honestly, that's probably it. Like, I don't have a ton of regrets. I don't think I have three things that I would give because I, you know, I, I was doing a lot of the right things. You know, I was, I was taking care of my responsibilities. When I went into the military, I would say when I got out, I was clean, man. I could look anybody dead in the eye. I remember walking around Chicago, like looking for eye contact because I had spent four years becoming somebody that only did virtuous stuff. I did what I was supposed to do. I was respectful to people. I was fit. I was single and had no responsibilities to anybody. And so I was doing the things that I was supposed to do on paper. I just didn't know what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. You're likely stuck in a nine to five job you're not enjoying, or at least considering change. Jason is very sure of himself and doesn't feel like a young Jason would need much advice. But I asked him to share three tips he'd give to you stuck in a nine to five job you're not enjoying. So if, if I'm going to give three, one would be look in the mirror, really understand yourself. And you, it really can start. You can kind of fake it till you make it. So when I meet, when I say like, look in the mirror, understand yourself, pay attention to how you're breathing. Like, just be still and think about how you're breathing. Think about how your body responds to certain situations or conversations or when you're doing certain things. You know, what gives you energy and what do you do that you can do that drains energy from you? Yeah. So I, I'd really pay attention to that. Number two would be once you figure out what those things are, paint like the clearest possible picture of what you want your future to be like. I always tell people to try it. The, the more clearly you can describe the mountain that you want to climb, the easier it is for somebody like me to help you to take only steps in that direction. And so that means I want to know exactly what the mountain you want to climb is. And then you just take steps towards that mountain. And it's incredible how fast you can get there. And then the third thing, and this is for your confidence, is I'll never forget, I was living in Chicago, this was before I ever owned any businesses, but I looked down a busy street, it was Broadway. I looked down a busy street and there's all these doors and each one of them was to like a bar or a restaurant or a, a nightclub or a clothing store or whatever. And I was like, every one of these doors has somebody who's responsible for paying rent. They have a business that goes on every single day. And I just don't believe that many people are smarter and better than me. And so like for the confidence thing, I just do that. Go stand at a, at, a, at a shopping mall or at a place where there's commerce being conducted. Walk in an area that there's high rises and just look at those high rise and realize that it was somebody's idea and their execution that built that high rise. And not because they wanted a high rise, but because the idea and the execution and the ultimate team that they have together to execute on it needs to be in a high rise for this thing to work. 
and yes. make money. And so for, for confidence sake, I would just say you're probably not stupider than all of those people behind all of those doors. So I am typically a pretty confident person. I usually assume that I can do something if I try to do it. But I just think two points. One would be just understanding that if other people can do it, you can probably do it. I've never met anybody that failed in business because they were stupid. I've never met anybody that failed in business because they were stupid. Yeah. I've probably met people, if I had to think, that have done stupid things that maybe catastrophically destroyed their businesses. That's maybe true. But I've never met anybody who like couldn't run a business that they loved because they were dumb. Yeah. Typically what happens for those folks, if they're struggling and not making smart moves, is typically they end up doing all the work. But because they want to be there, you know, that's okay, right? The people that fail in business are the people that stop showing up. Yeah. I have never seen a leading indicator of somebody's success more than somebody who's passionate about the thing that they're doing. If you think that you might want to maybe start a business maybe make sure that you're that you're actually super passionate about it but yeah. if you're like super passionate about i don't know like balloon animals and being a clown or something do it man like nobody's going to be better than you because if you're really passionate about it there's just there's just i mean if i go to the city with my wife and we go to dinner and we go out to a show and we're walking around and we go through stores i can't tell you how many times it's like the the bus boy is like the most impressive person i see all day because they really care about like hey how you doing oh excuse me i'll get me out of your way it's the people that really enjoy the things that they're doing that make an impact on you it's not the people necessarily that have the most money or or the biggest building or whatever it is it's it's always the people that like really love the thing that they're doing whatever that is that make the biggest impact on me. And, and yeah. I don't think that's, I think that that's pretty common. Passion. It's a word people love to throw around. But what if you don't really know what you're passionate about? How do you find your passion? In the TED Talk, How to Find Work You Love, Scott Dinsmore says, become a self-expert. As per our previous episode, he recommends reading the book Strengths Fighter 2.0, which goes into more detail about the Clifton strengths. Identify your unique strengths. What do you wake up loving to do? Next, identify your values, something we'll talk about in a later episode. Finally, Combine these with your unique experiences. The combination of your unique strengths, your values and your experiences will be your definition of success. As Scott says, people are giving the middle finger to the scripted life where people say what you're supposed to do in exchange for things that matter to them, that inspire them. The only thing that limits you now is your own imagination. It's not about being the next Steve Jobs or Gundy, it's about doing what matters to you. I cannot emphasize the Clifton Strengths Assessment enough. If you take only one thing out of this podcast, I would hope you would do the assessment, discover your unique combination of career strengths and then better use these in the working world. It's all well and good knowing your strengths, 
But if you're currently not particularly passionate about anything, where do you even start? Start with interests. Find the person who does it the best in your area, whatever that thing is, and go spend a day with them, spend a week with them, work with them in a menial role and and learn from them. And you'll know very quickly if you enjoy the day-to-day stuff of it. If you think you might like woodwork, buy a hammer and some nails and and some wood and and start doing that thing. But it's something that I have not personally had a lot of. I typically... I mean, I could list off 25 things more probably that I've gotten very passionate about at some point in my life. I typically go all in on stuff. And to those folks that are not as susceptible to that, I would just say, keep trying different things, try different things and, and pay attention, not necessarily to the medium, but more the, the strokes. Like, so in other words, it, maybe you're not passionate about the thing. Maybe you're passionate about consistency and making people's lives better right? Or maybe you're passionate about working on a strong team. I mean, there's folks that sell insurance that are super passionate about having a great team that they write their paychecks for and helping people when in their time of need, are they passionate about insurance? No, not necessarily, but that doesn't mean that those businesses aren't like virtuous and and passion driven businesses. Mm. An example of that I can think of is um, the guy who started Starbucks. I think he famously said that he wasn't actually that interested in coffee. He was interested in developing people and creating a good team. Yeah, I think that's I think that's frankly more powerful, right? Because that go, that goes that goes anywhere. That means if if coffee's outlawed, he can go start a different thing, right? Yeah. People throw around the word passionate, but I think really it's again just paying attention to the things that give you energy and just trying to remove those things that don't. Yeah, I think that that comment you make about energy is such a big one. Is once you learn to listen to yourself, because I think typically, especially young males, but maybe females as well, aren't taught to listen to their emotions. But then once you actually start to discover that and, you know, take a breath, as you were saying, and listen to yourself, for example, I'm going to get off this call and I'm going to be buzzing. Yeah. I love talking to people in conversations like this where you have real meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. But then at work doing veterinary consults, which is sort of 15 to 20 minute, very short, sharp consults, and you don't really develop a relationship at all. And you give heaps of your energy, but get nothing back. Mm. By the end of those days, I'm exhausted. But yet if I'd spent that same amount of time talking to five or 10 people and having real decent conversations, I would finish the day being really energized. So it's really important for people to actually listen to, it's hard to explain in words, but it's, you get that feeling like it's in your heart. You finish your day of work and you're either, you feel really drained or you feel like, oh, like just pumped. Yeah. And I think we've kind of danced around it a little bit, but I'll just say it now is there's, there's three types of work. There's work that you can do. And no matter how much of it you do, you get energy from it. I mean, I would have to do, I don't know. I've done it. I've had eight hours of talking to entrepreneurs on the phone before in certain days in doses. I mean, that's that's a lot, right? Yep. Maybe I'm tired at the end of the day, but I like doing it. Uh, <laughs> there's work that you can do, but it drains you. So in this case, maybe the veterinary stuff, right? Like yep. maybe you can do it and you're a professional at it, but it drains energy from you. Well, maybe you have to do that for a little while, but try to eliminate that if you can. And then there's work that you can't do it and it drains you and just don't, just don't do that, right? Uh, and so those are the three types of work that 
I'm aware of. And truthfully, I, I mentioned this earlier, like the idea of like, it's not necessarily the medium, it's more like the strokes on the page, right? And so it's like, maybe it's not about veterinary, maybe it's not about fitness, or maybe it's not about banking. Maybe it's about like the actual thing that you're doing all day isn't aligning with who you are as a person. I mean, listen, my wife, she can do sales. She's worked in our businesses and she's done pretty well at sales because she's very likable and is curious and likes to talk to people. But she once told me, she said, every time the phone is ringing, I'm secretly hoping that they don't pick up. It's like, oh, so like you really, really, really shouldn't do sales then. Yeah. Like that's not <laughs> that's so what bad. a salesperson feels like. You either get to do this thing or you have to do this thing. Try to do the stuff that you get to do. That was financer turned fitness entrepreneur, Jason Skisik. If you want to hear more from Jason, you can check out his podcast, Spear and Clover. You can also reach him at spearandclover.com or find him on any of the main socials at Spear and Clover. That's one word, at Spear and Clover. Next week, we'll be releasing an episode of his on our feed. On the Spear and Clover podcast, you'll hear from someone about how to construct your life, which is relevant to anyone trying to escape the nine to five. If you are specifically thinking about escaping the nine to five to start a business, here's what Jason has to say. I am on a short list of people not to talk to unless you do want to start a business. Because I am definitely the person where if you talk to me, you're going to be like, all right, we're going to do it. <laughs> so if you're, if you're not ready to take the leap, do not reach out. But if you think you might be, yeah, reach out to me, man. I'd love to talk to you. Three tips from Jason from this week's episode. Number one, look in the mirror. Begin to understand yourself by identifying what energizes you and what drains you at work. I love this. Understanding your emotions is the first and most important part to designing a career to work for you. Number two, paint the clearest possible picture of what you want your future to look like. If you can identify the mountain you want to climb and start taking steps towards that, it's amazing how fast you can climb that mountain. And his final tip, try different things and pay attention to the strokes, not the medium. He's not the first guest to suggest trying something different, but only by trying things will you figure out what you wanna do and what you don't like. In this particular case, what he means is don't worry too much about the particular job or activity you're doing. Pay attention to what you particularly enjoy doing within that job or activity. Somewhere in there, you'll find your passion. This week's challenge? Identify your unique strengths. Challenge accepted. Having completed the Clifton Strengths Assessment, you will have received a report with your top five strengths. For each of these strengths, the report includes a number of statements specific to each of your unique strengths. For me, one of my top five strengths was communication, but my unique strength 
may have been, you can easily communicate what other people are thinking. So much so, you find yourself finishing off other people's sentences for them. Highlight two or three sentences from each of your top five strengths that really resonate with you. Things that make you think, yes, this sounds like me. From these sentences, write down five things you might consider strengths unique to you. These are some of your unique strengths, which you should be actively looking to use daily at work. If you can't use these at work, you've got to start finding other avenues to use your strengths. One of my strengths is having in-depth intellectual conversations. I couldn't do these routinely enough in my own workplace, so I started a podcast. At the time, I only started this as a hobby, but it's become such an integral part to who I am that it is forming the basis of the Escape the 9 to 5 community in which I coach other people how to design a career to work for them. Identify your unique strengths. Use them on a daily basis, and this will begin to open doors you never knew existed. So this week, identify your unique strengths. Challenge accepted. If you need help on your own career change journey, feel free to join our Facebook group, Escape the 9 to 5 Podcast. There you'll join a community of like-minded individuals on their own journey out of the 9 to 5 job. This week, we'll be discussing ways to identify and use your unique strengths. Using your unique strengths will help you not only find work you love, but you'll finally become one of those people who can say they are passionate about their job. I'm host and creator of Escape the 9 to 5, Steve O'Ely. Thanks as always for tuning in to Escape the 9 to 5. If you need more help on your own journey, feel free to message me steve.oeli at escapethe9to5.net and I'll share with you my framework for designing a career to work for you. See you next week. Escape the 9to5 is a Deals Media production. If you felt like this episode brought you any value at all and helped you on your own journey to escaping the 9to5, Please do give us a rating if you're on Apple or Spotify podcasts. Otherwise, make sure you subscribe on whatever app you're listening on. The show is produced and created by me, Steve O'Ely. Editing is thanks to Jeremy Grater. And show music is thanks to Mikey Geiger. For more information and support, please visit our Facebook page, Escape the 9 to 5 Podcast. Otherwise, you can visit our website, escapethe9to5.net. Good luck on your own career journey. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Escape the 9 to 5.